Welcome to Growth Colony, Australia's B2B podcast. I'm Alex from Xgrowth. Each episode, we bring you B2B founders, CMOs, marketing and sales leaders to find out what makes them successful and what was behind their failures, or as we like to call them, hard-learned lessons. If you enjoy the episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and share the pod with a friend you think could get value out of it. And of course, make sure to join the community Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Now, in this episode, there's some occasional course language, so just a warning if you've got some kids around. That's enough from me though, let's dive right in. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode. I'm Shane Hoda with Xgrowth, and today I'm talking to the man, the myth, the legend, Nick Bell, founder of multiple digital agencies across the world with some 1,800 employees, and more recently, co-founder of Listnik, a platform that helps you find the right mentors to smash your business goals. And we're going to be talking about a number of B2B topics to, uh, that are relevant to founders and CEOs out there, topics from identifying trends in the B2B space, picking and finding the right people for your team, and mistakes B2B founders commonly make. On that note, let's dive in. Nat, Nick, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. And what, a, what an intro, man, the myth, the legend. I haven't been called that before, but thank you. Well, you know, I had I'll to take it today. I had to be. I had to be the first, right? I had to. Uh, I had to get take <laughs> take that take that one. But look, Nick, I I really want to first talk, start talking about identifying trends. We touched on this a little bit earlier, where you're talking about you know contactless solutions that are coming out in the market, and you have a quite an extensive experience in the B two B space. I mean, multiple digital agencies. I know that you know the first digital agency that you started was kind of you stumbled across it and you you fell into it. But after that, and observing you, I feel like you are a lot more methodical in terms of what you find and how you how you find these these organizations. That are a lot of them are are B two B. So my question is, how do you decide how you get into a B two B venture today? Oh, so there's a couple of parts to this question. I think the question was trends. And I said, first of all, look at an industry that needs to be disrupted. Mm. So a perfect example is Uber in the taxi industry. So before Uber, to get a taxi, you'd call up, for example, one three hundred cabs, I believe the number is, and then you'd wait, say, half an hour to 45 minutes for a cab. You couldn't track where it was. You'd call back and say, where's my cab right now? Is it on its way? And then Uber released this app where you basically you can see exactly where the Uber is, where they, how long it's going to take. Is it four minutes, five minutes? Is it eight minutes? Completely disrupted that industry and it needed to be disrupted. It was clunky previously. Now it's obviously a lot more convenient. I think, first of all, look for an industry where you can create convenience for the business. So if you're, if you're going to solve a problem or create convenience, then that's a great start. So for my first business, which is the digital marketing agency that I started from my bedroom, I, uh, I went into an industry where everyone was overcharging for what they were delivering. They were charging five to $10,000 a month retainers, but delivering $400 worth of value. And they weren't giving any KPIs or guarantees. And I said, that's fucking crazy. I said, these guys are just getting spoiled. So I came in, offered KPIs and guarantees and undercut everyone. Like it wasn't hard. Like I didn't have to develop it a whole soon solution. I said, look, no, no, I'll guarantee it. I'll do this. If you don't, then I, you stop paying me. And I, I literally, I just, it's all I did. So look for an industry that needs to be disrupted. Are you going to be, are you creating convenience and are you solving a problem? And then from there, build a business. Interesting. Okay. And 
what are, what are some of the, you know, when you're starting your businesses or when you observe a, a business from, from, a, from an external perspective, yep. what are some of the key factors? Like if you wanted to say the top three things that have to, that, that business needs to get right in order for it to grow, in order for you to get excited about it, you know, whatever it is, but in order for it to be successful, yep. what do you think those three things are? Okay, first of all, show me your marketing strategy because without business, in the door, there is no company. So show me how you're going to generate revenue for the company. That's for me, number one. And yes, you can fulfill it and make sure you have a strong back end. But if you don't have a clear math, clear path to profitability, then what's the point? Too many business owners refine, refine, refine their, their service or their product before they launch it. End of the day, if it's good enough, launch it and refine it as you go. But it's never going to be perfect. Just get some money in the door so you don't have to raise money raise series A, series B, series C. You don't want to keep raising. You want to you want to generate revenue as quickly as possible. So you don't have to give away equity to private equity firms or venture capitalists. You can keep it yourself and grow a big business. So first of all, marketing, absolutely critical. Two, the people you hire. Don't hire bums on seats. Hire absolutely talented people. I know that's tough right now with the market the way it is where everyone is looking for the best talent and everyone's paying top dollar. So how do you win the best talent without basically giving away your life savings? Well, at the moment, you need to provide a very good culture. Maybe you give profit share. I don't know. I, by the way, you don't even give away equity if you don't have to. So I'd, I'd rather give away um, profit share or a bonus structure than giving away equity to a business because that equity may be worth $100 million in 10 years where you could have given them profit share and then given away $500,000. What's your preference? So first of all, marketing, people, and lastly, make sure, make sure you can deliver on what you promise. So if you say, I can do X, Y, Z, make sure you do X, Y, Z. Because if you, if you promise X, Y, Z, but you deliver A, B, C, then the client's burned, they're going to cancel, and then bye-bye, you're finished. So if you bring business in the door, have great people, and deliver on what you promise, you're going to build a good business. It's going to be profitable. Let me ask you about the first point. You said marketing. And, and it's funny that you said marketing. You have a sales background, right? Yeah. And, and a lot of a lot of people would say, you know, you have to get your sales right. Why did you specifically said, said marketing there? Well, it really depends on what you're selling, whether it's a service or product. But for us, we generate leads for our sales teams. It's more, how do I say, it's, uh, it's more efficient to generate leads and have them cold calling 100 people a day and basically getting told no 100 times a day. I'd rather give you 100 leads per day and you're closing 20% of those leads, which is 20 deals, generating $100,000. So I'm all about how can I deliver the, the most amount of leads to my sales teams so they can generate revenue for the company. That's how I can scale quicker rather than cold calling, cold calling, cold calling, and maybe closing one or, one or two deals a month. It's just not efficient. To me, time is more valuable than money. How do I get to $50 million in revenue in two years rather than 10 years? There's a... Mm. There's a quote by Peter Thiel, who's the founder of PayPal and one of the uh, founding investors in Facebook. He said, what's your 10-year BHAG? Which is like, what's your big, hairy, audacious goal in 10 years? If you say $100 million in revenue or 1,000 staff, what it may be, he asked the question, so what's stopping you from doing that in six months? Yeah, I've heard that one. That's, a, that's yeah. Makes sense, yeah. And then that's actually been in the back of my mind lately. So I've got, a, I've got a target for a new business I'm launching. How can I do it in three years rather than nine years? 
So I'm thinking, I'm working backwards. I need to build these networks. I need to meet these people. I need to bring on these people and so on. So you work backwards. And that's, I think it's a very, it's a thought-provoking comment, isn't it? It is. It slaps you in the face. 100%. And it's completely true. How do you, if you've got goals X amount, how do you do it in a third of the time? What's stopping you? Yeah, it's it's one of the, I, I love that question. It's one of those questions that makes you just lean back and be like, huh. Yeah. And, and funny, I, I literally went, shit, that's actually a very good point. What? So I had a, uh, I had an agency that I sold three, four years ago. Oh, yeah, me. Yeah, so, so I sold it for um, X amount. And I'm thinking, it took me nine years to do that. So how can I do that again in 18 months? This is what I'm thinking. So this is, what I'm, this is the plan. How can I do exactly the same? I'm not going to sell it, but how do I get to the same amount of revenue and growth and client happiness? And like, I want to absolutely smash what I did in terms of client retention, new business. How can I do it in 18 months? So I've been working backwards to do that. So I go, I need to, so this is this, I need to, I need to achieve this many sales, this many leads, this contact, average deal size, have this service offering, minimum client retention. How do I maximize, maximize client happiness and so on? Interesting. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you this. One of the things that you, you, you say is that you love starting new projects, right? You, you might not be a big fan of getting into the details and running them, but you, you love the initiation process and, and creating something from nothing. How do you stay on top of things when exactly what you're talking about, right? Because what, what you're saying, you're, you're getting into a lot of details, right? How do you, how do you do that? And how do you not get bored is not the right word, but you, you know, you, you, you don't, because this happens quite often. You, you see the next shiny thing and you're like, oh, I want yeah. that now. How, how do you, how do you keep that momentum for, uh, for some of these projects? Yeah, that's a good question. That's where I'm actually struggling a little bit at the moment. So I think it's very easy to do if you've got three or four businesses, but we're at 12 different businesses and trying to, trying to have your input and your involvement in each business day to day is impossible. You, you just can't physically do it. There's not enough hours in a day. So it comes down to the people that you have driving these businesses or companies. So we have, a, I think we've got a very strong management team. So my GMs report back to me weekly. We have a weekly management team meeting, sorry. And they tell me about the numbers, P&L, uh, conversion rates, retention rates, everything. It's very high level, but it's very hard for me to be involved day to day running of a business in Singapore or in Hong Kong or the US. It just, you can't do it. So I am stretched for time at the moment and I am launching new projects such as Listnik. So I, um, I've been working on Listnik after hours. So last night I finished at actually midnight trying to do that project. So uh, it's challenging, but you just need good people around you. Like, what's it? There's an old saying, I think it was Steve Jobs. If you're, if it's Steve Jobs, maybe someone else. If you're the smartest guy in the room, then you're in the wrong room. Mm. And I know my strengths and I know, and I've got a lot of weaknesses and I'm very good at bringing people together and building networks and building connections and having great people work together, but I'm not the best salesperson. I'm not the best technician. I'm not the best marketer, but I try and hire the best and bring them together. How do you do that, Nick? How do you, I feel like you, you definitely, that's definitely one of your strengths. You talk about how you would bring somebody into the organization that would work with you for a year, you know, and they would, they would go out and start a new, um, new agency in a different country. Uh, you've you've multiple times talked about the importance of people. I mean, we talked about yeah. it right here. Yeah. How do you how do you find these people? Like, how do you what is? Do you think there is something? There's a mind shift or or, or a mindset piece that you, the way you think about people that it's different from the average Joe that runs a business. I'm at a stage where I, I 
I like to work with people that I enjoy working with. If you're a, if you're an asshole, we're not going to work well together. If if we just don't gel or connect, we're not the right fit. So it's best you work somewhere else. So the people that stay within the business long term, whether they're techies or the salespeople or marketers, we generally have a common bond and we connect and we, we treat each other with respect. And end of the day, don't be an asshole to people. Just be nice. Ask how ask about their family. Ask about their kids. If they're sick, how are you? So I my um my financial my financial controller sick in Singapore say. I sent her a text, are you okay? Is there anything we can help with? Just like, just something small like that. People respond well to that because he, they go, oh, the, the MD cares about me. He actually cares about my family. He cares about how I have my well-being. So just treat people with respect and make sure you offer career progression. So if you've got a, position, a person in the same position for four years, what's the chance that they're going to get bored? Like nine times out of 10, they're going to get bored. So you need to give them progression. Otherwise, they're going to go somewhere else. So with our company, because we're growing so fast, there's an opportunity to move in different companies or different positions almost daily with us. Interesting. Interesting. So is, do you think that's the, um, is that the secret sauce of keeping good people? I mean, attracting, how do you, how do you find them in the first place? Right? I, think, like, I think the first of all, you got to build loyalty with your people. Yeah. You got to become friends with them and they become loyal to you, pay them well, build a good culture and give them, and give them career progression. If you actually just nail those basic, basic fundamentals, you're going you're gonna to fucking retain people. If you're cracking the whip and saying, you're one minute late today, how dare you get to work and micromanaging people, you just cannot do that in this market. You cannot do it because there are so many good opportunities out there right now that another organisation will say, no, no, we don't operate like that. You can come work for us and we'll pay you more money and treat you like a human being. We'll treat you with respect rather than a dictatorship. Like it's pretty simple, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I think the old way of managing people, and I, I hate to say, like I'm not going to name names, but back in the uh, 70s, 80s, 90s, where the the boss is in his ivory tower, top of the building, looking down on his employees or her employees, that shit doesn't work anymore. Like I sit with my guys in the middle of the floor, my desk is like their desk, and I'm in the trenches with the guys, and I we talk, we I answer questions, I I, I can hear the conversations, which means I can help train them. We're all just the same. Like w- yes, we've got a lot of people, but there's it's a very flat hierarchy in our organization. There's not layers and layers of management. Like the, the intern come to shoot me a message and say, Nick, I've got a question. Can you help me? Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Love it. Yeah, but man, I think it's the way it should be. I think it's, I think the market's heading that way. I think the, the ivory tower way of managing, I think that's going to die slowly because if you're, if you're managing like that, you're going to lose talent. So you have to evolve. Have to. What are some of the other mistakes that you see kind of founders make? So we've talked about, you know, we've talked about not treating people right. We've talked about maybe not getting your marketing. Sorry. What are some of the other, other mistakes that you see quite often when you, you know, when you're dealing with colleagues or you're dealing with, you know, even your, your GMs make mistakes or externally? Everyone's going to make mistakes. I make mistakes. I think the first thing is people panic and they get stressed. And in, in that stress, they make irrational decisions. So I think sometimes take a step back, relax. Don't let ego or stress or anger determine your decision. And I see it all the time. We, I've had a, a mate of mine, uh, I'm not connected with his business, but he had a, a fallen out with one of his employees. And, I, and he's, like, oh, he's like, fuck the employee, fuck him. I said, mate, just take a step back, breathe, sleep on it tonight before you email him. And I said, I wouldn't even email him. I said, give him a call and just talk to him like a normal human being. He's like, no, nah, I'm going to go to court with this guy. I said, that's just silly. 
and I'll tell, I'll tell you who's going to win if you go to court. The lawyers. You're not going to win. He's not going to win. Just take a step back, relax, and give him a call in the morning and just mediate with him. Just find a resolution. And thankfully, he took my advice on. And the next morning, I had a chat. It got resolved in 10 minutes. All done. He, the employee walked away happy. He walked away happy. All done. But it could have gone, could have gone down a different path if, if, he, if he went back to that person with ego and anger and stress. So I think, first of all, don't panic. Don't be very careful with decisions. But once you make a decision, go all for it. Go in, mate. If it, you're in, you're in. If it's the wrong decision, put the handbrakes on quickly and fix it quickly. Don't keep pushing through with it. Good point. I want to talk about external help now, right? And in in your in the process of growing WME, you know, even currently running the the businesses that you, you do, has there been has there been situations or, or, or experiences where you would reach out for external help? I can talk about this for a long time, actually. So I had in the early days of WME, I didn't have a mentor, or I didn't ask for help, and I thought. I knew more than I actually did. But the thing is, you don't know what you don't know, the old saying. Mm. And I realized I didn't know a lot. And about five years ago, I found a mentor by chance. And that mentor helped me in business and in my personal life. Then I found a second mentor for a different part of my life. So now I have different mentors for different things. I've got a mentor for my property interest, a mentor for people and culture, a mentor for um, my tech side of my company. And I ask these guys questions all the time. I'm I'm a, I'm a massive hoe when it comes to information. I'm like, can you can you answer this question for me? Man, I'm, I don't care. I'm, I'm happy to hoe myself out and say, look, I just want to learn from you guys because you guys are much stronger in this area than me. Whereas the one thing, I, I, I'm not trying to be arrogant here, but I'm, when it comes to business, I'm not ego-driven. I know I don't know a lot, so I want, to, I want to learn from other people. It doesn't need to be the founder of Netflix. I can learn from anyone that's on the same level or better than me. If someone's got a business of, a revenue of hundred thousand dollars, and I'm at hundred million dollars. I'm probably not going to learn from that person, but if someone's at the same level or greater, I'm probably going to learn from them because they've been through it, they've done it. Mentors, they're generally not smarter than you. They've just got more experience. It's hundred percent experience. And I would have had, I would have made a lot less mistakes if, if I had a mentor at WME. I made a lot of mistakes, and I think I could have fast tracked my growth by at least by a third, at least, if I had a mentor and I listen and I listened to him or her. But I was like, no, 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 I can do it myself. I was an idiot. When I found a mentor five years ago, my wealth grew substantially. I became a better husband and a better father. And if I did have that previously, I could have fast-tracked my life and my career. I'm all for mentors, and that's why I'm launching Listening. Yeah, which is my next question. You know, where, oh, mate, where, mentors where are a game changer. I actually had dinner with one of them last night. And I don't, I don't call them mentors. I call them good friends that give me great advice. But the reality is they're a mentor. Mm. And in a day, I want to learn from as many people as possible because listening from listening to an audiobook is great, or listening to a podcast is fantastic, but it's not personalized information. Well, I might have a, a current situation, but I need help with that situation. Whereas a podcast can't give me that; it's generic information. So if I'm if I'm in a, a bind or I'm about to do an investment or expand a company, I'm like just just say my mentor is David, for example, David. This is a situation, what are your thoughts? How would you handle it? And what do you recommend? And then he would then give his advice around it. And then I might, it's my choice whether I take the advice on board, but generally it's pretty good advice. Got it. 
Got it. And how do you manage the relationship between, you know, yourself and, and a mentor or, you know, a friend, you know, do, do you personally, right? Because there are a lot of mentors who would, you know, do it for maybe a fee. There are some people who would do it out of the kindness of their heart. Yep. How do you manage your, your relationship with, uh, with, with your mentors? Well, these mentors are, are friends of mine, so I don't pay them a fee, but, but I refer them a lot of business. Right. So in reality is, yes, I'm not paying them a fee, like $1,000 for their mentorship, but I'm referring them, I actually referred one of them about a $500,000 contract. So I think it's almost like the paid forward, do something nice for someone and in return, there may be benefits and this is what's happening. But I would happily pay them, geez, I would pay them a lot of money because I'd pay them whatever they wanted to advise me because if I pay $1,000, good chance I can make $100,000 from it. The, the rewards are endless. Yeah, one one good piece of information and it changes the game, right? For example, when I was going through the acquisition four years ago, so when my company was being acquired by an ASIC listed company, one of my mentors had been acquired by the same company. And yeah, so they, I got some great information and I, I made it an extra $15 million out of the sale. Oh, wow. Yeah, and just, just from advice and that's all it was. And he recommended a lawyer that probably saved me another $70,000. So just, just things like that. And Damn. having mentors actually gives you, gives you opportunities to their networks because you obviously meet them. They go, oh, this, is my, this is my friend Nick. And then they open up their networks to you. So it's not just about advice. It's actually getting access to their networks as well. And people underestimate the value of a strong network. It is so important. What's, what's Grant Cardone say? More contacts equals more contracts. <laughs> of course. How good. How good is that? <laughs> that is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does have these sayings, doesn't he? He like throws them out. There's another thing that he says, well, weekends make you weak or something weekends like that. Weekends make you weak. Yeah. Yes. And he always, always says, always show up. And I, I listened to one of his videos, I think back in November last year, and I listened to it and I was like, fuck, he's, he's actually right. If you're, if you're sick... I'm not talking like deathbed sick, but I'm talking if you're just unwell, mm. got the flu, or you just can't be bothered. Doesn't matter. You always show up. And that's going to be my motto this year is always, always show up. No matter if it's train, like exercising or work or meetings or a, a networking event, always show up. If I committed and you've said yes, you've got to be, you've got to be there. Got to make it happen. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. Okay. Before I move on, I have a few uh, rapid questions I want to ask you, right? But before I do that, is there anything else around, you know, kind of advice for B2B founders, finding trends, finding people, anything that maybe I didn't touch on that you think it would be, it would be valuable for us to uh, talk about? If you're trying to find talent right now, use every avenue possible. So that means posting on job boards, and I'm talking every job board, using LinkedIn to find talent. If you need to be used recruiters, but you're going to be super clever with how you're recruiting talent right now, especially tech talent. Everyone wants to tell Like I said, we're recruiting for hundreds of people right now and, and it's just not us. Yeah. Other companies are as well. And whoever, whoever has the best offering and gets in first is going to get the talent. I hear you. I mean, yeah, we, we're a much smaller organization, of course, and we're trying to hire and uh, not happening. It's yeah, yeah, man, it's, I, I, even I've been on LinkedIn, I've been LinkedIn bloody reaching out to people. I'm like, hey, I'm like, hey, I've got an opportunity for you. I'm like, I'm like, whatever it takes, you've got to get on there and just make it happen. Yeah, I hear you. 
I hear you. It's crazy. It's crazy. No, thank you very much for that. Okay, rapid questions. I got three of them. First one is what is one resource? It could be a book, blog, podcast, talk, etc., that fundamentally changed the way you work or live. And you can't say losing my virginity by your rich. No, no, I've got, I've got it. It's called Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss. I read that early, late last year, and there was so much gold out there. It's basically rituals of thought leaders, celebrities, and the world's best business leaders. Did you read that back to back? Yeah. Because that's a, that's a, you know. It's a meaty, meaty yeah. book, but mate, it is full of gold. Really? Uh, I'm always intimidated by the thickness of that book and, and his other books, to be honest. And listen to the audio book on, on uh, Us Track, Buzz Forward, whatever you call it. So, okay. yeah, Tools of Titans, business and personal life, game changer. Number two, if you could give one advice to B2B founders, what would it be? They've got a current business or they want to get into business? No, they, they have a current business. Uh, B2B founders, make sure you're on LinkedIn. Be on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is, it's free, it's easy to use, and most business leaders are on there. So you've got access to anyone instantly. Last one. What are some of the influencers that you follow? Good question, because I've actually been, no one that really inspires me at the moment. I'm impressed by, obviously, Elon Musk is a usual suspect. Mm. Business leaders, I'm inspired by Dr. David Sinclair. He's not a business leader, but he's a longevity expert, as I mentioned to you before we jumped on this. Elon Musk, because I think what he does is phenomenal. And Dr. David Sinclair is around longevity. And I want to live longer so I can do more business. So it kind of does relate. I love it. I love it. I've, I've, but this is to your audience. If they come across any strong business leaders locally in Australia, man, I'd love to, I'd love to know. Because I'm not looking for fluffy content. It's like, don't fear, fear, fear. You, rah, rah, rah. I'm like, teach me stuff I need to know. Like, I need to learn more about business. Like some golden nuggets. This is what I'm looking for. Well, why do you say that? Is that, is that because you, you're having a hard time finding that in, in the Australian market? I'm, yeah, I am. I'm struggling to find people here that actually talk real business advice. Why do you think that, that that's that's the case? What are your thoughts? Maybe the, the strong business leaders aren't posting content. I don't know. Yeah, okay. And I'm not saying the ones who are posting content aren't strong, but it's a little bit, It's I know it has a market. It's just not for me. I'm looking for more business tangible advice that I can use in my in my businesses. Like like Tools of Titans, I got a lot of gold out of that. Yeah, I think I, I've uh, I've uh, mustered up more energy, more more strength now to go and have a look at Tools of Titan. Just do it; it'll change your life. I've uh, I've looked at it before, and I was like, Phew. but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely check it out. Nick, thanks so much for uh, for jumping on. Really appreciate it, uh, and I, I truly enjoyed the conversation. Excellent, thanks, man. Really appreciate it. Cheers, dude. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed it, please consider leaving us that five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and sharing the pod with a friend. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please make sure to join the community Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Thanks again for all the support. We're looking forward to seeing you again in the next one.